0: Welcome to another special episode of NY Jets Fans Podcast, where we're gonna have special guest uh, and great NFL analysis, um, Mr. Connor Rogers. Uh, we're gonna be going over some stuff with him, uh, including what exactly went wrong with the Jets this year and Adam Gase, and also with Sam Donald. Um, I think that's a big question for all of us. Um He was brought in specifically to be the offensive guru, (laughs) if you will, uh, and to really help Sam. And it looked like the complete opposite. Since he's been here, Sam has gone downhill since his rookie year. So I think um, we could talk to him a little bit about that, and maybe he's got some more info about that. What do you think, Sharman?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of big, a lot of Jets fans have a lot of questions when it comes to, when it comes to that. I mean, that, you know, you, you know, from watching football, you know, over the years, I mean, as, as fans, we could pick up on a couple things that we think might be the reasoning behind um, the decline. Um, But um, I don't know if, you know, we could all put it together. So, uh, yeah, um, we we thought it would be best to ask an expert.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I the, mean, the
0: answer is he's he's not a good head coach. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure there's more to it than just that. <laughs> yeah,
1: of course. Um, I I think I think um, there's a couple things that 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 kind of stands out to me. I think I think uh, numbers wise, I think Sam did have his best year with Gase, right? I think so. Um, I just don't understand, you know, I just don't understand the decline where, where it's coming from. You know, he's literally, um, just almost like forgetting what he used to be or what he, he could have been. I don't, I don't get it. So, um, that, that's the, um, that's definitely a question that's very important to us. I mean, that, um, given a, um, an autopsy of the J of the gays, yes, <laughs> <laughs> of the gaze, uh, episode with uh, with New York is, is 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 something that's important. I think um, I think also what we what what's next is pretty important. I think we've heard this conversation or we've been having this conversation for a while now, since uh, the realization that there's n- nowhere the, that the Jets could go but down <laughs> this season. Um, we that you know the Trevor Lawrence questions and and whatever and whoever else and whatever prospects and what Joe Douglas is going to do next to fix or to re-energize this uh, this uh, organization and fan
0: base. <laughs> the big one is going to be who who they're going to bring in as head coach next. You know, yeah. he's going to have to change the whole culture of this team from a losing franchise for the last decade, basically. Um, and he's got to come in and change that that whole perception of our team from a losing franchise to a franchise that players are going to want to come here to play and to build a team that's going to be a Super Bowl contender eventually. You know, it's not going to happen overnight, obviously, but um, we just have to look back at what happened with Miami after they got rid of Gase. Um they were, you know, they were a pretty good team last year, and now this year they're, they're in the hunts for a playoff spot. They're actually in the playoffs right now. So I think that's a good example of what could happen with the right coach. Um, but that's going to be the big question, Mark, because where, you know, how are they going to come uh, to this decision on who are they are going to go after? Is it going to be a, a Joe Douglas decision? Is it going to be the Johnsons? Are the Johnsons going to go – outside um the organization for advice again like they got gase um and then whatever they come up with then in what direction are they going to go in are they going to go in uh, the college direction are they going to go in a a a coordinated direction that's in the nfl right now or an old head coach who we've seen you know like names like bill cowher popping up now and marvin lewis are they possibilities um so to me it's a to me, the the, um, the Johnsons are the real X-Factors because who knows what they're gonna oh, do. Yeah. I mean, we have no idea. And that's why I'm hoping Connor could kind of give us a better idea of uh, of what direction they're gonna go in at least, you know? So it'd be interesting yeah. what he says about this.
1: Yeah, um, uh, that that I mean, you, you kind of summed it up and all. I mean, those, those are, Questions that as Jets fans, I think that are kind of burning questions for that we have. Um, you can't go into next season as a Jets fan and not worry about the choices that's going to be made and who's going to make the ch- have the choice because we understand that Joe Douglas was was given a hefty contract and a, with an actual a long, you know, for what was it six years. Um, that would, that, that should in a vacuum indicate that Joe Douglas would be the one running point on stuff like that. But unfortunately, (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately with the Jets owners, you never know. And with rumors circling over the years and, and, and firsthand accounts and secondhand accounts of dealing the dealings with the Johnsons, unfortunately it's always sounded like there's a little bit of meddling, nitpicking or, um, uh, you know, just a little bit of uh, over managing or micromanaging by them going on. And, um, you know, and you could probably trace that kind of action to the reasoning behind some of the bad hires, you know, um, or the reason why some of the good hires fell apart. Because some of these coaches, if you think about it, um, that were hired, when they were hired, other than gays were pretty. At the time, they, you know, respectable guys. You know, uh, Todd Bowles was a uh, was some was a name that came up, and everybody around the NFL had a big, you know, uh, had a really good, um, you know, um, view of you know at the time, and and um, and he and he did have a um, success before, you know, the inevitable, you know. <laughs> Yeah. decline like, like it's been you know and we're, we're trying to figure out as fans what is it that's causing the decline is it that the GM was the issue because then now we've ha- we're, ha- we're hoping that we've had um, that we've got the best you know GM that we've had in a long time so that yeah. means all we need is the coach right? and that would be very important but then like you said you know, uh, the Johnson's going to allow the GM to do, to run point on that. Right. Um, I'm, 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 Yeah. Like, like, I think like everybody, I'm, I'm hoping that's what it turns out to be, <laughs> you but, know,
0: you know, I, cause I could see them saying, Oh, uh, we want to ask uh, so-and-so for some advice or we want to go outside the organization for advice. Like they did the last I, time.
1: I hope not, man. I, they, I hope not.
0: They, because they a have a person for it. Peyton Manning, you would think, but Peyton Manning gave Adam Gase, uh, you know, the seal of approval. But I,
1: I, I hope I not, because is, yeah. because this because this is the problem. I mean, I think all these asking outside the organization stuff. I think I think that you you trying to marry two individuals that you know that that you know that's supposed to. You know, in the the way things normally work in football, it's normally the GM then the coach. But when you don't have a GM and you're trying to hire a coach first, then hire a GM, that makes absolutely no sense. Right. You know. So so, so now these, we're in the right
0: position at least.
1: Right. So we're we're at at you know, at least for now, we're thinking that hey, you have the GM already, so you just let the GM make the decision. I'm hoping that there's no, you know, the Johnsons actually going over. Um, Joe Douglas's head because the he he didn't only break Joe Douglas. Um, I think the hires, the people that he has in his front office with him. They have so much um they have so much experience in the NFL, in NFL front offices that they don't need, I don't think they need um
0: Yeah, the Johnson shouldn't have the Johnson
1: to get involved. Right.
0: And, and they shouldn't have to go outside your organization for, you know, for any kind of ideas or, or, you know, it, it should, it should be just Joe Douglas, his people that are around him. And of course the Johnsons, you know, they're the owners. So they have to, you know, put the final, yes, that's right. But um, it shouldn't be anything outside your organization. It should be right there. You got the right people in place. Like you said, they gave Joe Douglas a six year deal. So they obviously trust him in building this, this team, this franchise into a winning and Super Bowl contending franchise. So, you know what? So give them the keys and say, here, get us a winner, get us a guy that's going to come in and change the culture and, and put us on the right track and, and all that. that. That's what I'm really hoping for. I mean, but when have we seen the Johnsons do that? You know, they've never done the right thing. So I, I'm, it, it just, it just bothers me because, I, that that's, that's the one thing that bothers me in this whole situation is that the Johnsons are going to do something where, and I just don't know what, you know, and that's, <laughs> you know, I don't, I just, I'm not even going to guess, but I just have a feeling they're going to do something that's going to screw something up. We're going to hear Joe Douglas had this guy ready to go, but the Johnson stepped in and said, no, I want this guy because you know, <laughs> so um, so hopefully Connor could kind of straighten this out a little bit. Uh, in that yeah, in, hopefully in, little inside information maybe what he's hearing and um, and also we're going to ask him about uh, you know about the the name we're hearing forever right Trevor Lawrence and <laughs> I'm, I'm not even going to get into will he stay in school because I think there's zero chance that's,
1: yeah I think that's a ridiculous question yeah,
0: yeah. so I'm not even uh, you
1: know what you know what and that and 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 on that subject I think it's pretty funny how you're hearing all of a sudden? Um, I think I think you kind of heard it with Joe Burrow too last year, where people are like, "Well, you know, the, the Bengals are so bad, he should stay in school or he should try to fight, uh, um, like like the like the Mannings did and not come out or 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 make a uh, make a problem and try to get traded to some other place, which is the most ridiculous thing. There's there's only a small handful of starting quarterbacks, pro starting quarterbacks in the in the world it doesn't matter which team you're starting for in the nfl you're one of a very few so having a shot at that no matter where you are is ridiculously
0: um not just that you know but
1: it's just it, it, i mean it's crazy don't give when up, people's you don't know, give up that
0: number like one that. pick and you know what and a great example was unfortunately with tua when he was with alabama he stayed the extra year if he came out when he was a junior, you know, like the year he was supposed to come out, he would have been the number one pick, no doubt, right? But mm-hmm. he goes back in, you know, to to finish up college, and he gets hurt, really bad injury, and his draft, you know, his spot went down a little bit. And then Joe Burrow takes that number one spot. If Tua stays, if, if Tua is, you know, if he stay, uh, excuse me, if he doesn't stay and, and leaves the year before, he's the number one pick no mm-hmm. doubt so does trevor i mean so trevor lawrence has to look at that and his agent and his coaches are saying listen anything can happen if you come back to college yeah you could come yeah. Back, be undefeated okay. win the heisman and everything is great and you're going to be the number one pick again but it only takes yeah. one small play one injury one this one that to change everything and a change for tour and i think he's going to look at that and go you know what i'm gonna go but here's the thing too going back to the coaching search i think the the right head coach is gonna make that decision much easier for trevor lawrence you know if you get a head coach in here that he wants to play for he's gonna be like yo i'm gonna go there because they're loaded with picks they're loaded with uh cap money you know and they got becton that's gonna protect my blind side so i'm definitely going there you know
1: yeah I, I, I hope he could clarify these things for us. Uh, yes, <laughs> we, we will have we will have Connor on in a few minutes. Yes. Yeah. So
0: um, yeah. So we're going to get him on in a few minutes, and we'll be right back. Okay. All right. Uh, welcome back, and we have Connor Rogers, the NFL draft, draft at, uh, analysis from um, analyst from Bleacher Report. Um, Welcome back to our show, Connor Rogers. We always appreciate you being here. Um, we definitely got some questions and we're going to try to uh, dissect this jet season a little bit and what find out what went wrong. And we got a couple of questions for you coming up.
2: Absolutely, guys. Always good <laughs> to talk to you. Uh, obviously, it's been a pretty turbulent New York jet season. So as, as always, we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> um, you know, so it'll be fun, man.
1: Yeah, um, of course. I think from, for I think from the jump, I think the easiest question or the most burning question right now is uh, exactly what, in your opinion, went wrong with Adam gates and Sam Donald in New
2: York. Well, that's a good one because you know it's something that, quite frankly a lot of people don't discuss they just sit there and and blame that the hire was the hire was wrong let's not you know beat around the bush there but even if there were belief that this hire could not would not be this bad because it can't get worse than this there hasn't been a lot of dissecting of what the exact issues are now to me you know when you just look at those two and and eliminate the, the front office structure and the roster and ownership and a lot of things like that It's that Gase never adjusted to Darnold's strengths, right? Gase kind of, you know, Gase's success at a time, believe it or not, was when Peyton Manning was in Denver. And Peyton Manning, throughout all of his career, but especially those last couple good years he had, is a pocket passer. And Gase wanted to run an offense that the quarterback stays in the pocket, uh there's not a lot of cutting the field in half there there's not there's no rpos there's you know not a lot of zone running early on I know they've, they've tried to get it going I don't think they really have had the personnel in the backfield to do that so it, it was just not a good match from what the coach believes in to the quarterback skill set and these things unfortunately happen when the coach you hired was not here when the quarterback was drafted. You got to realize when a team makes like, let's go through it. The jets are going to be hiring a new coach in January and the jets are going to be drafting a new quarterback in April. Those two things align where the coach is going to come in and he's going to know what he wants, what he wants to do and which quarterback in the draft can do that. Now it's a little easier this year if you're picking number one, because Trevor Lawrence is a scheme proof player. But with Sam Darnold, his best attributes while developing the rest was that he has pretty good pocket presence and mobility can extend plays and and really throw on the run. Now, what Sam struggled with was reading coverages, timing at times, and, you know, staying a little patient in the pocket and, and going through those reads now. Obviously, those are things that all young quarterbacks struggle with and get better with in time. But the problem is the infrastructure was not in place where there could still be success while you're learning. A lot of people failed to see this with Lamar Jackson, where everybody sat there and said, well, he can't throw, and he's a running quarterback. Instead of sitting there and going, well, how about we utilize the fact that he's the best runner that we've seen at the position since Michael Vick to help orchestrate the rushing offense – while we develop those passing tools, that the raw passing was there and existed, the deep ball specifically. The rest of it needed and still needs a little work, but you've seen it work out to where the guy was an MVP candidate. So, unfortunately, the Jets are the furthest example from that, and, and that's just one of the many reasons why we're sitting here talking about a winless football team pretty close to Christmas.
0: Well, why do you think Gase never, um, never played to Sam's strength?
2: That's a good one. And there's a couple of reasons. Number one, he's a stubborn guy by nature. And I don't think anybody needs to be next to him to realize that he is <laughs> someone that he believes what he believes, um, you know, and, and unfor- it trickles into every aspect of his, his failures, personnel. Uh, the Frank Gore situation is a pretty good microcosm of the situation where look at all the players that have gone on to succeed in Miami or elsewhere that he didn't have the patience to develop. You know, Devontae Parker comes to mind. Kenyon Drake comes to mind. Mike Gusecki comes to mind. A A lot of people like to point to Tannehill. Now, Tannehill was not awful when Gase had him. Tannehill had already taken very good strides. Then he got hurt. But Tannehill has taken monumental strides since getting to Tennessee and working with Arthur Smith. So... He's a stubborn guy, which is a frustrating answer because people will still sit there and go, that's insane, but it's the truth. (laughs) And the second thing is, quite frankly, and this relates to being stubborn, I don't think he's well-versed in a lot of the new concepts in this league right now. I don't think he's a guy that has had the experience of running RPOs. I don't think he's a guy that's had the experience of utilizing an offense where you can get the quarterback on the move a lot. It's just something that, you know, it's not something he was familiar with. It's not something that he clearly learned along his way at a few stops. And quite frankly, this can happen to guys that are thrusted into significant roles at too young of an age. Now you look at on the flip side, Sean McVay hired as a head coach at what 32 and he's thrived. (laughs) but that's one guy. You've seen a lot of (laughs) failures with young coaches. So, you know, it's, it's a stubborn nature. Um, Now, do I think Adam Gase is as terrible as, you know, either the jokes I make, or we all, (laughs) I I don't know, right? Like, I don't think Adam Gase is an idiot. And I've talked to a lot of people that have been around Adam Gase uh, for long periods of time. You know, they basically tell me he's the type of person that, can memorize every playbook in the NFL for every team, but executing that in real time is a different scenario. Adju- adjustments have, have been non-existent with this team since he's taken over. And it, look at the example, guys. They come out almost every week and score points on their first <laughs> drive because you could spend the entire week scripting those 15 to 18 plays. What happens after? They do nothing. And it's the perfect, perfect way to sum up Gase.
1: True. yeah I, I, that's that's i mean you you just nailed it like it just kind of marries everything as a fan we've been seeing what your explanation was because it's it's so it's almost like you want to pull your hair out you know watching him like you said script a, a great set of plays for the first whatever 12 plays or whatever and then there is then nothing <laughs> after that there's nothing else, you know and i've been saying for the last couple of episodes i've been saying he reminds me, like you just said, he reminds me of probably a guy that needed to be like a quality control guy for a while or something like that before he even became a head coach. Because it's almost like, like you said, like these there is specific plays that thrive in the NFL right now. You watch almost every offense and you see certain things that every offense does. And for some head scratching reason, you don't see the Jets do. It, and, and the way they, even the way the running game, you know, they run a mid zone for some reason. And, and in my opinion, and you could correct me from wrong, but I, I always, I always felt
2: like neither of the running backs we have could really fit the zone running scheme. Uh, it's that's a great point. And it's something that quite frankly, had been very frustrating to me um, when I came out of this off season. And, and it's always hard, right? When you come out of the draft, you guys have talked to me many times where, you know, I'm a pretty honest guy. And, you know, when they when the draft was over, I sat there and looked at it at two things. Right. You look at your board and I had a guy like LaMichael Pirine in the sixth round. The Jets take him in the fourth. Now, that's OK if he's a scheme fit. Right. It's yeah. like, OK, two, you got to realize two rounds in the NFL grading system it isn't really a big deal. It's when you get to the three or four round difference. That's when you're talking about reaches. But in the NFL, they look at things like, okay, we can have a fifth round grade on a guy, but we like him for what we do so much that we'll take him in the third because we have a feeling he'll be successful here and we want the player. With Pirine, that didn't add up to me. And it's not a knock on Pirine. I think he's a hardworking player. I think he's a very, you know, experienced player where I think he, he has pretty soft hands as a pass catcher. He doesn't look lost in pass protection. Um, but in terms of what he is, he's a runner with not a ton of burst, not a ton of make you miss. And you have to sit there and go, this is an off season where we knew they were going to move on from Le'Veon Bell. And quite frankly, I love Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell doesn't have a lot of burst in the tank for outside zone. Le'Veon Bell's an inside zone runner. So you have Le'Veon Bell, and all you hear is that they want to do more outside zone, and drafting Becton and signing George Fant completely agrees with that. Those guys can get out in front, and we've seen that. You have Le'Veon Bell, who didn't have a lot of bursts left, and you knew they were moving on. You signed Frank Gore, who is a million years old, who is not going to be an outside burst kind of runner. And then you sit there, and you go into the draft, and you go, okay, well, they got to take a guy that fits – that can give you a little juice that can be a change of pace. And it's like they took the 22 year old version of those guys combined where it's, it's the same exact thing, but even worse, because unfortunately, and you guys have probably seen this, Piran doesn't really make anyone miss. He, he's a tough runner. He's a smart guy that coaches alike that can succeed on third downs. I'm not writing him off as a pro, but he doesn't do anything really different. So the way they attacked the running back position and a lot of positions was insanely bizarre. And it, it, it kind of goes back to the coach not really having a good grasp of the personnel he needs to run what they should be running.
0: Hmm. Well, okay. So now that now, now that we're going to hopefully move on from Gase after this season, this horrible season, um, my, my question now is, with, the new, with their looking for a new head coach, the I, I got three questions. The how, the what, and the who. The how, how will they hire the next head coach? Are they gonna go outside the organization? Are they gonna trust Joe Douglas and his people to pick it? Uh, in what direction are they gonna go? Are they gonna go into the college ranks? Are they gonna stay in the NFL with a coordinator or maybe an older head coach that's already had success? And in the end, who will they pick? Who do you think? Like, give me a, give us a couple of names that you think that they're going to go for.
2: Yeah. So it's a tough know, one, it. right? Sorry. It, it, no, no, no. It's, it's a good question, but it's a tough one because there's a couple variables here that the Johnson's, <laughs> the Johnsons are a variable, right? Like I, I could sit, I could have just gotten off the phone with Joe Douglas and hopped on the show with you guys. And Joe could have told me everything they're going to do. And I could tell you that. And when Woody Johnson comes back, none of it could matter. Right. Like that's, that's the world Woody Johnson lives in where he'll come in. Woody Johnson didn't hire Joe Douglas, you know, like that's right. Woody Johnson. So let's keep that in mind here. Now, what I will say is they are going to cast a wide net. They, they don't have their mind made up right now. They are going to interview quite a few people. They are going to rely on those interviews to get to know people. And to be fair, Christopher Johnson and and the previous regime you know they did this last time where they didn't know Adam Gase they didn't know Matt Rule they didn't know Todd Munkin you know they didn't know Mike McCarthy they sat down and got to know those guys now they made a good decision by ruling out Mike McCarthy by being underwhelmed in that interview Uh, they made a really bad decision by by going with Gase and I think you're going to see a situation where you have a little more faith here because Joe Douglas knows what he's doing. And I think Christopher Johnson, you know, is going to have to swallow his pride and have a reality check that he blew it last time. And when, when you make that colossal of a mistake for something you own a a business that is a, what 3.5 billion dollar franchise it's like you, you need to understand you need help and joe douglas is paid a handsome salary to be that help so i think they'll tap into the college ranks you know would they reach out to matt campbell again and see hey hey have you changed your mind will you sit down with us i think they will talk to a lot of coordinators like I know Joe Brady is very young. I think they'll want to get to know Joe Brady and be like, this guy is one of the best young play callers in all of football. What is he doing? And and that's working so well. What is he like? What is his staff going to look like? You know, all of those things, what does he believe in? So I could see them trying to talk to a Joe Brady. I can see them trying to talk to a Matt Campbell I think they'll talk to a lot of veteran guys that fans will freak out about, but once again, keep in mind, they're casting a wide net. So you're going to hear probably a Marvin Lewis type of name that goes in the building and sits down for a conversation. Now, I, I don't, I don't think Marvin Lewis is a bad option. I would like to make that clear. Is he underwhelming? Yes. Is he a bad coach and football person? Absolutely not. Marvin Lewis uh, was not working with a lot of resources in Cincinnati and, and, turned that into a basement franchise into a team that competed every single year for a very long time. So, yes, so you look at that and go, okay, like th- that's casting a wide net. Do you want to roll the dice on a 30 something year old Joe Brady? Do you, do you think you have the allure and the money and the funds to convince a Matt Campbell, which would be far and away my number one choice, to leave Iowa state and come coach the New York jets. A guy that's from the Midwest is not an interest in coming to the big city. Maybe that changes. Or do you say, Hey, I believe in my ability to build a roster so much, especially if Trevor Lawrence is the face of that, that I think Marvin Lewis never had these kinds of pieces in Cincinnati. And Marvin Lewis is an example, right? I'm not using Marvin Lewis to say he's the guy Right. I'm thinking of, like, we heard it with Bill Cower. Now, Bill Cower is a Hall of Fame Super Bowl winning coach. My understanding with Cower is he's not that interested in coaching again, and it would take the John Gruden level salary to, to open up those conversations. So you're looking at $10 million a year. Mm. So that's not very realistic in my eyes. Um, so it goes back to what I keep saying. They're going to cast a wide net. You know, I don't know if Brian Dable – a guy that has Alabama and Patriots and now Bills roots after, you know, fading out a little bit as a failed coordinator. He went to those three places and has blossomed into a star. I don't know if he's looking at the Jets job as the one he wants. Now, what I'll say is for Dable, all of the great things they're doing with Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence can do all of those things, right? Like all yes, the things sir. we all yeah. the things we love about Josh Allen now after he's been developed is the player Trevor Lawrence is. So I wonder if that helps sway him. So my point is that I'm getting here, and and it's not very exciting, is that this is far from done. It's just beginning. And I I think it's going to be a pretty long process in terms of there's going to be varying opinions in that building, and I'm curious to see who wins out.
1: Yeah, that that's that's gonna be something of uh, quite a process. And like you said, I, I hope that the Johnsons stay out of it. In my opinion, and just uh, let the guy they paid handsomely, like you said, do the job that he was paid to do. <laughs> um, but I'm um, moving on to I think the question, the burning question, because I think um, when it was Sam Donald's turn, um, everybody wanted to tank for Sam. We gotta we gotta have Sam. We got Sam, and uh, all uh series on of unfortunate events <laughs> literally happened after um who is your qb i know trevor lawrence is the guy um i will probably uh, uh get flack for this but it's not that i feel like trevor lawrence is a bad quarterback or because i'm not that crazy but i don't i don't think he's uh andrew luck type and you could correct me if i'm wrong uh, but uh, give, give us your, your top three QB prospects if you and uh, correct me if you think I'm wrong about uh, about Trevor Lawrence.
2: Well, I don't think it's crazy to sit here and and say, hey, I don't I don't think Lawrence is a once in a decade guy. I don't think anybody should be told they're wrong for thinking that. I, I do think he is. I think you know, I, I've only been around Trevor Lawrence once in my life and it was at the Army All- American uh, week down in San Antonio. and, and even by then, I mean, for an 18 year old, he might have even been 17 at the time. This guy was a mature, grown man, not just on the field. And I, I was on the field, and it was like watching an NFL player throw the ball when he was 17, but as a person, somebody that people gravitate to, somebody that is very level headed, somebody that is a very competitive, incredible work ethic. With all of the raw talent in the world, I mean, not many guys come around that are six five, six six, run like he does, throw like he does, and then have all of the intangibles to be a legend. Quite frankly, and I, I know that's that's you know that might be hyperbole, but if if anybody comes to new, the New York Jets and plays like a top five to eight quarterback in the NFL, they are going to be viewed as a legend because Jets fans don't know what that's like. And <laughs> yes. from We've never seen. That. A me- from many years of experience, I, I can confirm that. So that's my take on Trevor Lawrence. And now when you ask me, you know, the Sam thing, I say this to people as everybody has their own rankings, right? And, and Sam was a good prospect. Sam was, you know, well-deserving of going in the first round. But I thought the top three guys, and you're going to laugh at the first one, a huge miss of my career in that class were Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, and Lamar Jackson. Now, Rosen has completely been a bust. Baker has played very good football this year. And Lamar Jackson won an MVP. And, and at the time, people said to me, how could you have this running quarterback over Sam Darnold? And, and Or how could you have whatever it may be? And I sat there and said, listen, I like Sam Darnold. And I even liked Josh Allen that year. I had Josh Allen in my top 50 while some people were saying you should move to tight end. But there were like every prospect, there are flaws. And Sam struggled with his deep ball. He struggled with decision-making and he wasn't perfect and he wasn't close to perfect. And he got built up to be this because Mm. for, for months we thought he was going number one to the Browns. So when he fell to number three, everyone said, Oh my God, how did we get so lucky? And they completely overlooked, you know, I thought fair scouting reports. Now some people loved him and and like I said, I'm not saying this to gloat because I was a guy that had Josh Rosen up there and he was a complete bust. But it just shows you that all of these guys have flaws and that no one's necessarily perfect and Darnold was very far from perfect and it happens. It's just the way it goes. And it's you know it's interesting how it shakes out. But when you look at this year I have it, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and then Trey Lance. Zach Wilson is right there in the top 10 players for me. I think people are sleeping on Trey Lance. I look at him and and see some Deshaun Watson in that game where I see some Dak Prescott in that game where he can run extremely well. The touch accuracy at the intermediate level is special. Um, I think he has all world's work ethic. You know, Justin Fields, obviously tremendous player. Incredible mobility, uh, a very very good passer, another really good leader, you know, insane work ethic. This is a special group. Let me start off by saying that I, I love this quarterback class. Uh, I feel I feel very good about Trevor Lawrence. I feel very good about Justin Fields, and I feel much better about Trey Lance than the average person will tell you. I think he's going to shock the hell out of some people, and I think Zach Wilson's a wild card where he could be out of the league in three years, or he could be. A superstar and he's he's polarizing so it's a good group um and like that 2018 group that got a lot of attention they all have their pros and cons and and somewhat they're you know some people are are going to land in good situations I, I will be the first to say this isn't a homer take i think the new york jets are not a bad situation like all the idiots are making it out to be out there that <laughs> they have to trade this i mean i don't know what more you want Adam Gase isn't going to be the coach. We'll see what they do with the hire. And maybe my tone changes in three months. But we'll see what they do with the hire. (laughs) But they got a a boatload of picks for the next two years. They got $100 million in salary cap. Joe Douglas just drafted Mekhi Becton and Denzel Mims in his first draft. I I just – I don't know. I don't know what people think. What, did – what, were the Bengals this great landing spot for Joe Burrow? Like, I – I I think
0: <laughs> about, I, You know what? I think it's about the history of the Jets. You know, it's it is. the same old Jets. And that's what it's about,
2: right? That's it it about. is, but it's laughable because you right. sit there and people go, well, they did this with Sanchez and now they did it with Arnold. No, they didn't. Mark Sanchez <laughs> had the best offensive line in football oh, wow. as, a, yep. as a rookie. He had the best run game and he had the best defense. You could go look those things up on the internet. It's not me saying it. It's literally factual notes that that's what he had. And that's why they went to back-to-back AFC championship games. Sanchez played good in the postseason. Sanchez was a complete, you know, thorn in their side throughout those seasons. There was a hmm. lot of bad weeks yeah. for Mark Sanchez. <laughs> yep. And and guess what? He stunk when they had to pay him because they had to let pieces go. And some of the magic came out, fell out of Rex. I, I mean, Sanchez had 50 opportunities after the Jets and he did nothing. So the Jets didn't fail Mark Sanchez. Yes, the Jets, fa- the Jets failed Sam Darnold. Okay, yes. they did. We can yeah. say that. But there's not, there's not these situations where you're looking around and going, they ruin every quarterback they touch. Chad Pennington was very good. Guess what? His shoulder got blown up. I mean, it just happens. It's football. Great careers. And Pennington was a serviceable starter after that. But it's football. Guys get hurt, and it alters their careers. Like, I just don't understand where people come up with this stuff. Like, the Jets have drafted 10 different guys in the first round in the last 20 years. And they're all out of the league in four years. That's just—I don't understand where they're seeing this.
1: Yeah, I think I think I think it's—I um, think the Jets hate is pretty special because you can't really um, break it down. You can't even—you can't like uh, put it side to um, side by side with any kind of factual statements, like you just said. A lot of this stuff just makes absolutely no sense, especially sometimes coming from some pretty prominent people that um in um in sports media. It's ridiculous when I hear it sometimes. Uh, but um, but they'll get over it. If if this works out, um, <laughs> they will definitely get over it.
0: Hey, you know what? In the uh, end, winning cures everything, right?
2: That's right. Okay. I mean, <laughs> that's very true. It, 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 it's just the truth. I mean, it's you need to win, and that's why I'm not going to sit here and die on the Jets' hill, right, and say that they, they don't deserve this, this hate. They've made a lot of mistakes. Very true. But <laughs> at the end of the day, I, I mean, if the Jets go... I mean, God, if the Jets went 8-8 eight and eight with Trevor Lawrence next year, everybody Oof. would would bite their – would really hold their tongues real yes, quick. they will. Considering yes, this team might go 0-16 this year.
0: And you know what? All we have to do is look at what what Miami's done after they got rid of Gase, right?
2: Yeah, it's Who Miami. They've improved. <laughs> listen, coaching matters. And, and you Absolutely. look at the Browns. I mean, the Browns hadn't won a game in a million years. And, you know – Kevin Stefanski. It, and Kevin Stavansky comes in a couple of years later and, and the roster its a little different, but it's not mind-blowingly different. They're just well-coached and the players are, are better developed and they're sort of infrastructure in place that that team has not had. And I don't even know in my lifetime.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's very true. Uh, yeah. So, um, I mean, with, with the coach and would probably come, um, not probably, but comes, uh, how will going forward, how would the jets be built and, and prospect wise, what are we looking at? I think that going into last year, um, there was um, everybody knew from what uh, Joe Douglas said that it would be offensive line. He would be looking for and we knew because of the kind of uh, wide receiving talent that was coming out that that would also play a part in it um, this year. What, what, what are you looking at? What, what have you seen on film from these kids uh, 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 and where you think would uh, Joe
2: Douglas go prospect-wise? Well, I think it, he's going to double down on offensive line. I mean, the guy was there in Philadelphia when things were, were going really great. They had the best offensive line in football. And I, I think he's somebody that's going to stay true to those roots, right? He saw it in Baltimore for a long time. It, offensive line's a five-man unit. They're not going to sit there and go, okay, we got makai Becton, who's going to be a pro bowler for a long time. We're good. I think you're going to see them use either the top of the second round or that other first rounder on offensive line. I think it's a really good class. I think you'll see them dive back in on the wide receiver group, which I really like on day two, maybe even double up there. I think they know they need another corner. They know they need an edge pass rusher. So those are the very obvious things they'll wait on running back. Right. They're not going to take a running back in the top two rounds. I'd be very surprised. You know, they're not going to take a luxury at tight end. I, I think they're going to look at this situation and go, We still have holes at premium areas. If we get that quarterback at the top, but then we have to continue to stack the deck with our offensive line. We need to get better outside cornerback play. We need to generate an outside pass rush. And I think those are things that they are really going to laser in on. Now, can you sign a Joe Tooney or a Brandon Scherf in free agency? Because then it makes your life a little easier where you have a a pro bowl guard and a pro bowl tackle and you feel better about McGovern in year two than he was in year one where you go, okay, we're going to take another offensive line. But we don't have to do it in the first round or that 33rd overall pick in the second round. So there's a lot of variables at play, but th- those are the position groups that I know Joe Douglas is going to value, and-, and the ones that he's going to attack. Hey,
0: uh, yeah. Connor, what, what whatever happened to Cameron Clark this year? We heard nothing. It's a about- great, That's a
2: great question, and one that, quite <laughs> frankly, I I will get info on. You know, when the season ends, guys in the building definitely you get more information. You have more time. Uh, it's a good question because he's not somebody that needed to be developed in practice. He played the position at an extremely high level in college for many years. I- I'm hmm. pretty sure he was a five-year college player. He was the best player on his team, voted the best player on his team before. So, I, you know, I know he was injured, but it seems like he's healthy now. So I don't know. And it's hard with Gase. You know, it really is. I I know, you know, I mean, I mean, come on. How long did it take Pirine to even get on the field? And I had guys, (laughs) I had guys tell me Pirine was the best back in training camp this summer by a mile. They said, you know, the guys in the building are looking at it and going, this guy's our best running back. Hopefully he plays right away. And and of (laughs) course he never, he never played. So, you you know, I'm not going to write off Cameron Clark, but I'm with you guys. I would have liked to see him get some burn.
1: Oh, most definitely, man. Um, that I think I think with uh, hopefully um, the next time we talk, Gase is, uh out the building, and then we're talking about brighter futures uh, <laughs> because uh, this is uh, like you said—it's a lot of heads to scratching And I I really don't ever, as a Jets fan, ever want to go through anything like this year again. <laughs> yes.
2: No, I don't blame you. I'm, <laughs> I'm right there with you.
0: Yeah, twenty twenty was a season horrible for not just Jet fans, but unfortunately it was just a bad year with everything going on. So hopefully we could put it behind us and look forward to 2021 and some great news with uh you know, with the Jets hiring a new head coach and hopefully with the draft, you know, we'll see travel, Trevor Lawrence come in here too as well. So
2: Yeah, anyway, it would be ex- it'd be exciting, right? Yeah, it definitely would Yes. <laughs> it would definitely, definitely be, yes.
0: So, anyway, Connor, thank you again for joining us today. Thank you for all the info. Uh, we love having you, and hopefully, we'll, we'll get to see you again real soon. Um, and you could follow Connor Rogers on Twitter at, at, Con- at Connor J. Rogers. So, um, thank you, everybody, for joining us.
1: Thank you, Connor.
2: No problem, guys. Anytime. Always good catching up. Take care. Thanks. All right. All right. See you guys. Take
0: care, Connor. Thanks again, man. No.